Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. So my special guest today, Amy Myers, has a unique perspective on struggling with thyroid problems in that not only is she a medical doctor practicing functional medicine with a really big focus on thyroid disease and autoimmune disease, but she herself has been and is someone who struggled with thyroid challenges. Well, Amy, thank you for joining me today and thank you for your willingness. I know we talked ahead of time about not just having a sort of professional conversation and talking about thyroid details, which both of our audiences get from us in other ways, but for kind of taking a deep soul dive here and sharing what your own personal experience has been like and is. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, Aviva. It's always great to talk with you. So appreciate you letting me be on the show. It's a pleasure. So Amy, can you take us back to when you first started having symptoms? What was going on for you at that time? And what was showing up for you in your life physically and in other ways? Well, I had, uh, my mother had passed away from pancreatic cancer. Well, actually, let me back up. I had returned from the Peace Corps. And if anybody has ever been in the Peace Corps, it's far harder to adjust back to the United States than it is to adjust to, you know, living in another country and pulling your water from a well. It was far more shocking, actually, to come back to the United States than it was to give up things. So I came back moved to Seattle, was taking uh, post-bac prerequisites for medical school, came back to New Orleans for the summer. My mother very unexpectedly got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and within four months had passed away. And, you know, my great-grandmother died at 103 that same year. So there was really nothing in my family and we had longevity. So that was a real devastating to anyone who's ever lost their apparent, but um, even more so because it was so vastly unexpected. And then was, you know, again, continuing prerequisite classes for med school, got into medical school. And it was the beginning of my second year. And as you probably know, the first year is just, I mean, they're all, all years of medical school are stressful, but I think the first year is so stressful because you are, you know, everybody that goes in thinks, oh, I'm so smart and I'm top of my class and this is, you know, not going to be difficult. And you're surrounded by 150 people that are exactly like that and, you know, will always reach higher for the bar. And so it was extremely stressful. And I started having symptoms of, uh, you know, insomnia and anxiety and even panic attacks, you know, and eventually tremors and muscle weakness and, um, when when the tremors started, my colleagues and friends were saying, you know, something's really wrong with you. You need to go to the doctor. And so I eventually did. I didn't have a doctor at the time because I hadn't really ever been sick. But I went and saw the doctor and they, of course, brushed it off as being just medical school stress and that I was thinking I had everything I was learning about. And I said, no, I've been in the Peace Corps. I've survived, you know, my mother's very unexpected death. And I've just never responded to anything this way. I, you know, I'm demanding a full workup and then got my diagnosis of Graves disease. So, you know, all of that's to say stress, 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 stress is what was going on with me <laughs> before my diagnosis. And then of course, afterwards as well. 
Well, Amy, thank you for sharing that so personally. I, I know it's been such a long time, but still, I'm sorry that you went through such a, a really challenging time and all in such a concentrated way and the loss of your mom. That's so hard. And yeah, that's a lot to deal with. You know, it brings up a lot of different thoughts for me. I um, actually had a situation come up in medical school where I had had a very strange viral infection. And then a few years later started noticing that I was having exercise intolerance and um, had to run to a code one day in my medical training. You know, somebody needed life-saving resuscitation, as you know what a code is. And I vasovagaled along the way. I actually didn't fully black out, but I went down. And I thought, you know, something's wrong. I've noticed I'm having increasing exercise intolerance. And I asked the cardiologist who I was rotating with if he would do an exercise stress test. And he actually kind of said the same thing to me. You're just a medical student who's kind of being a hypochondriac, getting everything that you are reading about. And I was on cardiology at the time. And, you know, you're just under stress. You have four kids. You've got three teenagers, blah, blah, blah. Let blow you off, blow you off, blow you off. And I ended up having a stress echocardiogram. And I had also, I didn't have a doctor either. I had, you know, four kids born at home. I hadn't been to, in the conventional medical world at all, but I insisted on that stress echo. And sure enough, I had an electrical abnormality, which thankfully didn't need any treatment, but it explained why when my heart rate got to a certain point in time that I kind of had a cap on my heart rate. So the point being that sometimes we do have to kind of push, and I think this is especially true for women. So I want to kind of go down that road. I also, you know, and talk with you about what you've seen with your own self and with your patients. But then this other piece about stress, I have had so many patients, particularly women, but not only who come to me with a dismissed diagnosis of symptoms that started either after an intensely stressful period in their life or Maybe this the time wasn't so intense in terms of prolonged or something, but a loss, you know, a loss or a trauma. So if we could talk about maybe those two things for yourself and what, you know, you, you trained in conventional medicine, but clearly you're making the connection between something that happened for you emotionally and an actual disease manifestation, and then your experience of, of dismissal of these diagnoses in medical care. Yeah. So, I mean, there was kind of a lot there. I mean, I think, you know, as, as I was discussing with you, we did get dismissed, you know, both of us initially, um, but then we're persistent and got that work up. And what I'd say is I think that even as a medical school, I got different treatment from doctors and certainly now as a doctor seeing other doctors, I get much different treatment. And so I would argue that there are probably plenty of people that in both of our boats would have maybe not been dismissed by saying you feel like you're having what you're having in medical school, but would have been dismissed saying it's all in your head and not, you know, even if they had been persistent their doctor would have perhaps resisted. So I feel like I am lucky, you know, all the time that I'm a doctor and that I know, and I know when to be persistent. And I encourage all of my patients to be as well. In fact, that's what my book, The Thyroid Connection is really a book to work with your doctor and how to work with them and be persistent and ask for what you need and very much spell out what, you know, what to request but there are plenty of doctors for whatever reason, they don't want to be questioned or the insurance won't pay for it or, you know, a, a gazillion reasons of why they 
won't go further or do that test that you and I had. So, you know, I think that, that I can't ever put myself fully back in a patient's shoes because I'm a doctor and I'll never be viewed as simply a patient. Um, again, I don't know if you have that same experience and, you know, maybe you're not going to doctors, but, you know, I think that, that we're just in a different boat now. Well, absolutely. Um, I mean, whenever, you know, if I ever need one of my kids to get into an appointment, you know, if it's just even for something basic, like a pap smear, all I have to usually do is call a colleague or even because I'm known in the integrative world, people will be generally more accommodating. So it's definitely a very different situation. And also I think, you know, going through medical training as a woman and just sort of being who I am in my personality, I'm much more someone who's going to fight for my rights or fight for my patient's rights or fight for my family's rights to have the right care. And because of my training and my and also my, my own self-education, like you, we know what to ask for. But I do find it something that I spend a lot of time working with women on is being able to actually ask for what we need. I think as women in, in our lives in general, we've been taught to not honor our needs. We tend to kind of push our needs aside. And then we have also been taught to not question authority, to be the good girl, to not make waves, to not be too loud, not be too seen. And so it's a big step for women, particularly, I think, who are being dismissed to step over that threshold and say, hey, I'm here, I'm having these symptoms. And yes, it may be due to stress, but that doesn't mean it's all in my head. Actually, I'm having physical symptoms here. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly agree with you. I mean, I too don't have that personality. So it's not something that I personally have struggled with. I grew up with a mother who was very lived outside the box. And so, you know, I saw that, um, you know, how to ask for what you need and speak up. And in fact, I, you know, honor her and all of my books for, you know, my doing what I do now and questioning because of growing up with that. But yes, um, there are many, many women that don't feel that way. And I do see them coming into my clinic of having been, well, you know, I tried or I didn't feel comfortable or they told me this. So I just believed it and went along with it. You know, I would imagine most of your clients as mine are as well are women. I mean, dealing, you know, just in the alternative or functional medicine space, women tend to be the the primary people taking care of typically, you know, what food is bought in the house and what healthcare, you know, decisions get made. And then of course, being that I specialize, so to speak, in autoimmunity and thyroid dysfunction, that predominantly hits women more than men. So, you know, I am seeing a lot of women and and seeing a lot of women, you know, and then before us, there were mostly men as physicians, as opposed to, you know, I think now it's about 50-50, but it certainly wasn't always that way. And you have that dynamic with more of the women being the patients and then more of the quote unquote authority figures being men, it sets up that, that dynamic for people. So I think it, it is important. We've definitely, yeah, surpassed the days where the doctor is the authority. And I'm sure you you're feel the same way. I learn from my patients day in and day out. And if they tell me this happened to me, or this is a symptom, I always believe them. I mean, they, I always tell my patients, they will know themselves so much better than I will ever know them that, you know, I have to rely on them to tell me what's going on. Absolutely. I agree with you a hundred percent. I learned so much from my patients. I'd love to um, go back to when you got your diagnosis. So what I'm curious about 
is for you, when you got your diagnosis, was it reassuring to be told and, or to have the confirmation that yes, there really is a physical thing going on and here's what it is. Was it more disruptive to your self-concept to see yourself now as having a medical diagnosis? How did, how did that, how did you integrate that into your sort of consciousness and your sense of self? Yeah, I think for me, um, I'm a super sensitive person and intuitive. So I always know like if something's off and, you know, it's some sense you're like slightly relieved that something's, you know, like that, you know, it's not in your head, even though I knew it wasn't in my head, I knew there was something wrong, but then no, yeah, it was not comforting to get the diagnosis of an autoimmune disease. I mean, there's like that initial wave, like, oh, yay, there is something wrong with me. But then when you find out that it's you know, I mean, I think if somebody had just said, oh, it's, you know, palpitations or PVCs or, you know, something that's not a big deal, but, you know, with Graves disease, which is what I was diagnosed with, the conventional treatment is, is medication to shut down your thyroid, uh, which I tried and it was really nasty and I ended up with toxic hepatitis. There's, you know, ablating your thyroid with iodine-131 blowing it up like Hiroshima or ripping it out with surgery. So, I mean, none of the, none of the treatments for that are anything that, you know, anybody really wants to do if they know better. And, um, you know, I've entered medical school, uh, with a holistic view and knew I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing. I just didn't know how to get there. I'd gone and done an integrative rotation with Andrew Weil. I thought about doing his program in family medicine. I ultimately decided to do just emergency medicine in case I never found it, but I was president of the complementary and alternative interest group in my med school. So, I mean, I came in with this holistic view. And so none of those sounded good to me. And in fact, I did Chinese medicine first and that did not help me. I'm not saying that it can't help others, but it, it, it didn't help me. And, um, and then, you know, I went to the medication, which was the least invasive. And then, you know, by the time I had to get off of that because of the toxic hepatitis, and then I was raging hyperthyroid you know, I really had two, you know, alternatives and I, you know, was spending the time, the internet was just relatively new at that point. So I was spending all my time researching papers, were there any alternative treatments? And, you know, this was 17 years ago. And I think, you know, functional medicine is 20, 25 years old. So, I mean, there was like nobody really practicing it back then. And so there wasn't a me to go to. So it was very disheartening and, and upsetting that, really what I was left with were two literally life and body altering choices, which is, you know, why I'm so passionate about doing what I do. And I've helped many people uh, with Graves disease not have to do what I had to do. So it's always bittersweet when that happens. But, you know, it, it, um, it, it was not good news to find out what I had. Yeah, and I think Graves is a much more obvious diagnosis sometimes, but it's a much even even from an alternative perspective, the risks are higher in some ways and more immediate with Graves. There's more of a pressing potential set of risks in some ways than with Hashimoto's. How do you now approach your patients who come to you? And let's focus on Graves. I mean, we, we I know your book focuses on both. Um, but Hashimoto's gets a lot of attention in, in some ways, much more than Graves. 
what yeah. is your what is your sure. first approach with patients when um, they come into you with a diagnosis of Graves' disease? Yeah, so I mean, the book you're correct is for anybody with virtually any type of thyroid dysfunction, and I always get the question, well, you know, if I had this or I had my thyroid ablated, it's like, of course, I'm not going to write a book about thyroid dysfunction and not include Graves, you know, that I had or uh, you know post ablation or post thyroidectomy and kind of what to do. But, you know, as you know, Graves and Hashimoto's are not dysfunction of the thyroid. They are dysfunctions of the immune system that are manifesting themselves in the thyroid. So sort of my basic program is the same, whether you have Hashimoto's or Graves, meaning I'm going to have you, you know, change your diet. We're going to fix your gut. We're going to look at your toxic load, your infection burden, and then your stress levels. Um, particularly with Graves, then we got to go in and, and add some things to the program, which is, you know, it's, um, I used to like to think of myself as a little hummingbird that I was just like, everything was like super fast on me. And so that means that your metabolism is so sped up that it's burning through things. So, I mean, you might need more calories, um, more fats, um, certainly things like L-carnitine, CoQ10. Um, I've formulated a multivitamin that can go you know, for Graves or for Hashimoto's or any type of thyroid dysfunction to kind of give you what you need to make your thyroid hormones such as, you know, selenium and zinc and iodine. So I'm really focusing on that. There's some, a certain type of fiber, glucomannan, that has been shown to help bind some thyroid hormone. And then I use some herbs uh, the motherwort and, and uh, buggleweed to help slow down the production of the thyroid hormone. So I think that's where it's different. I have a couple of supplements that we've added in um, to to counteract or to um, that we've seen deficiencies in people with graves, either what came first, the chicken or the egg, did the deficiency happen in the graves, or they have these deficiencies because their metabolism is burning through so much. Uh, and then again, the, the herbs is the first step that I go to. And of course, you know, stress and relaxation, uh, techniques, because, you know, having any type of diagnosis like that is stressed. We lived in a, we live in a stressed out world, but then you know, you literally have more catecholamines and everything because of what is going on physiologically in the body. So really working on that stress piece. And then the book, I have an entire chapter on that and, and suggestions, um, you know, day to day for people to do, and then things people can do on a weekly basis and a monthly basis, um, to help with stress reduction. That's great. It sounds like we're so on the same page with the approach. Um, for me, stress, with my patients um, is such a kind of first go-to because it's also one of the things that we can't change all of the chemicals in our environment. We can change a lot of them. We can't change everything we're exposed to, but we can start to change how we respond to stress pretty immediately, even with just deep breathing to reset our sympathetic tone. So powerful. So many rich things to talk about. You know, motherwort is my favorite herb in the world. I've been an herbalist for 30-something years now, and um, my favorite yeah. herb, yeah, my favorite herb as a go-to. In fact, the only herb bottle I have sitting in my own office to uh, manage my own stress when I'm working on projects and just kind of wanting to calm down is uh, motherwort. But for people with graves, it's particularly beneficial because it can really help with those heart palpitations, that anxiety. And I think a lot of times people with graves, they don't realize that their anxiety isn't necessarily an emotional anxiety. It's a physically driven anxiety. It's the actual 
hormones that are chemicals that are being produced that accelerated heart rate that makes them feel anxious, but it's the physiologic symptom. So motherwort's one of my favorite go-tos for that. I'm glad to hear you're using that plant. She's wonderful. I mean, I think that was probably the only sort of bit of like peace when you were saying, you know, was it good to get the diagnosis or not? You know, I think from that aspect, because, you know, I mean, of course, my family and friends are just like, what is wrong with you? Like, you're so stressed out. You're so anxious. Like, you're so on edge. And it was like, okay, well, now I have, a, you know, like, for them, I almost feel like that having the diagnosis was better, you know, because it was like, oh, this explains it <laughs> rather yeah. than, you know, it was just me. Yeah. No, I, I've had many patients, too, who have gone to endocrinologists, primary doctors uh, for years who do find some, you know, for years being told they were fine, not usually so much with Graves, more with Hashimoto's or other autoimmune diseases or conditions like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue where they were told they were fine. And when they actually get a legitimate diagnosis, it is kind of a mental and emotional relief, right? It kind of brings their intuition and their self-awareness back in line with someone someone else's objective reality and it can make them feel a little less crazy because I have had patients who after a while have told me, look, I started to wonder if maybe this was all in my head because I went to five doctors and they all told me I was fine, but I, I knew that I wasn't. Yeah. So, okay. So you got your diagnosis and you went through an odyssey of making challenging medical decisions because with Graves, the decisions are quite a bit much more stark in many ways than with Hashimoto's. I mean, nobody wants to be on medication, but if you have to be on something like Synthroid, you're not going to get toxic hepatitis compared to being on something like PTU, which is just the, the Graves, disease, Graves disease meds are so toxic. But what did you do next? How did you start yeah. to bring in the integrative therapies for yourself confidently? Well, I mean, that wasn't for years later. I mean, that was my second year of medical school. And so, um, you know, I had my thyroid ablated and that was a whole nother just you know, roller coaster of you know, panic attacks as I was having thyroid dumping and, and then getting the Synthroid correct. I mean, luckily I had read about T3. And then I think like my third year I was doing a family medicine rotation and actually was a woman who she didn't say she was practicing functional medicine back then, but I see that she's actually, you know, on the functional medicine website and had taken, you know, all the courses and I've done a rotation with her. And so she was telling me about T3. So my doctor actually did you know, again, because I was a medical student and pushing the envelope, he gave me some Cytomel. And, um, you know, it really wasn't until, you know, then I went into emergency medicine and, and uh, it wasn't until I went to an integrative health conference. I think it was my first year out as a practicing emergency medicine physician. I mean, I was just in survival mode trying to get through medical school and then residency and, I mean, I always ate like organic food. I was a vegetarian for 27 years. So I was still eating vegetarian diet back then, you know, exercising, doing things that I thought were like healthy things, uh, but, you know, wasn't really incorporating anything that I would call like functional medicine into it because I had no idea or even alternative medicine. And then I went to the Integrative Health Symposium uh, in New York and actually heard Mark Hyman talking about functional medicine. And I was like, I mean, my eyes were just like, oh my God, that is it. That is like what I have been waiting for. I mean, I was reading books and stuff, but I never felt like 
anything was getting to the root cause or giving me that roadmap that we have in functional medicine. And, you know, I mean, I literally just went up and talked to him afterwards and, and, you know, asked if I could come shadow. And I, I went up to, you know, to his clinic and shadowed and, and then dove in and started taking all the trainings through the Institute for Functional Medicine. And within, I mean, months really opened up my own clinic and uh, still worked in the ER and then eventually, you know, stopped working in the ER and, you know, my clinic just grew and grew and grew. Uh, and, but it was, wasn't really till I found out about functional medicine. I mean, however many years later that was, you know, five or so years later that I then began to, you know, recognize that heavy metals were a problem for me. My diet was a problem, uh, you know, gluten and dairy. I mean, as a vegetarian, you could eat those things. So I was eating lots of them. So I, you know, went on an elimination diet. I changed all that. I fixed my gut. I had, you know, SIBO and candida. I mean, pretty much you name it, I had it. I mean, I was a mess. So, um, you know, just kind of gradually worked through all that. And then, you know, doing that on myself and then doing it with, you know, hundreds of patients eventually kind of formulated, you know, what many of us use in functional medicine as a protocol, but, but I found, you know, and tweaked for myself and for my patients that, you know, I eventually called the Myers way. So if you were to kind of give an accurate or as much as you can sort of say a realistic estimation of success rate, and I really want to, you know, you're a doctor, I really want to drill this with listeners and, and people who might be looking for hope. You know, I think that sometimes in the integrative world or the functional world, it can be sort of like the sense that this is a cure-all for everything and everyone. And I have amazing success in my practice, but there are people who do sometimes need to stay on medication as well. Or uh, if they have graves, um, you know, I don't have a hundred percent success rate. I have had patients who I'll say, you know what, let's work together if everything is stable for eighteen months. And if the end of eighteen months they have remitted, great. But sometimes I have had patients who have needed to go on for an ablation, or I have had patients who have needed to stay on a thyroid medication. What's your estimation of that in your practice? Do you find you're having you know, 90% success rate? Do you not keep those statistics? And what's your sense of the where people mostly go with the treatments? Yeah, I mean, first, I would say any doctor, conventional or functional, that is telling you that they have 100% success rates, you want to run from them, because we're all individuals, and everybody responds to everything differently. And there is nobody that has 100% success rate, unless, you know, it's somebody who's like cutting something out. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just, it's impossible. So, you know, with my Graves disease patients, as you know, I mean, they're, they, we see much more Hashimoto's than Graves. And so I don't have, I mean, I have, you know, I don't know, maybe 20 of them. And, you know, what I would say is now, you know, after you write a book called The Autoimmune Solution, uh, you tend to see some really, really complex, yes. <laughs> sick people with, you wouldn't even think that somebody could have six autoimmune disorders disorders and have been everywhere. So the more complex people we get, you know, the harder it can be. 
Yet I'll also say there are people who come in and I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be easy breezy. I've seen something similar to this a hundred times and it's always, you know, yeast and leaky gut and I do this and they're better. And then they're like the most difficult patient. And then there are these people with six autoimmune diseases and you're thinking I have, you know, and they're already following the diet and you're thinking, I have no idea what more I have to offer this person, but we'll give it a whirl. And then the next visit, you know, they're miraculously better. So it's so difficult to say, but I will say as I am getting more and more complex patients with literally, you know, multitudes of autoimmune disorders, it is, it is challenging. And I'm having to reach out to things that I wasn't doing in the beginning of my practice, like low dose naltrexone. I'm actually going to be trying out Sydney Baker's helmet therapy on myself. And, you know, we're starting to use that in my practice. I mean, it's just, you know, this isn't ever evolving. As you know, we're constantly learning and thankfully we're learning new things as well that can be used that I wasn't having to use five years ago in my practice because my patients weren't as complex. And so they were easily getting better. You know, with Graves, it's been a mixed bag because as you said, you know, some people come in and it's brand new with the diagnosis and we can get hold of it. Some people have had it for a while and they're managed on their meds and we managed to get them off their meds. And there are other people that are coming in and they're really been at, a, at an extreme for quite some time and this can be dangerous. And, you know, they've opted because things weren't working quickly enough to go get ablated or have surgery. I do recommend to people if they have a choice and that's where they ultimately need to go. If I had to do it over again, I'm just so afraid of needles um, or used to be at that point. You know, I did not want to have the surgery um, and their risk, of course, with that. But if I were to do it over again, I definitely um, would have looked at the surgery because at least you can save part of your thyroid and a part functioning thyroid is better than no thyroid. And then we also don't know what this massive dose of radiation does to your ovaries and your breast tissue, you know, other places where iodine is prevalent. So um, I definitely encourage people that if they need to go to an extreme, that that that's what they consider over the, you know, thyroid ablation. And I mean, I think the, the thing is, is to say like, to not feel like people failed. I mean, it, you know, it's like, I try not to be hard on myself. I made the best decision I could at the time, but the information I had, and that's all you can do. And everybody responds differently. So, I mean, no, I don't like have a, can't pull up a spreadsheet right now and tell you my success rates. Um, I would say that, you know, if I were just absolutely guessing and it, with people coming for graves at all different stages and some that literally came for one visit and before the next visit just said, look, my symptoms are so bad, I decided to get an ablation, you know, and they were like coming. I don't know why they even came for the first visit as if like I could have miraculously done something on one visit. I'd say 50%, you know, in terms of like complete remission, no meds, perfectly functioning thyroid, you know, I mean, that that's just a guess on the top of my head. You know, Amy, I really want to applaud you and thank you for that incredibly refreshing and honest answer. You just like went up even more notches in my book because of that. I tend to be the same. <laughs> I'm I'm the same. I agree on the ablation over meds and over radiation, first of all. In many ways, as much as it sounds more invasive, in many ways it is much more benign and effective without putting you through so much toxicity other than you know, the anesthesia. Um, and, you know, I couldn't agree more on there is no failure. And we all, and sometimes it's not even doing the best with what we have at the time, but it's sort of like, I, even though, you know, as I mentioned, I had my four kids at home, unlike you, I, I went into this 
I went into med school with 25 years of having done integrative practice as a midwife and an herbalist and living a natural lifestyle. And thankfully, you know, didn't have any um, untoward health experiences that led me to go down the, you know, the struggle that you went down. But I think that sometimes in the integrative and functional world, the uh, emphasis becomes on the cure, the healing, the outcome, and oh, aren't we so badass because we did it with herbs and supplements. And it can actually lead people to have a sense of failure or to feel alienated uh, or they didn't try hard enough when they do need to use a thyroid medication, whether it's for Hashimoto's or, or non-autoimmune hypothyroidism or for any autoimmune disease. And I would say I have very good, successful outcomes in my practice, but my, my emphasis is really that there, it's, it's all a spectrum. And it's a spectrum of finding what is the best therapy for that individual, or not even for them, but with them. What is the best therapy that we can find together that kind of meets their sort of self-concept at the same time as giving them the best health and the best life that they can possibly have. And, you know, I've had so many women, whether for themselves or for their children, if their children are going through a health struggle, say, you know, I've been eating right my whole life. I've been eating right since I was in my 20s and now I'm in my 40s and I don't know why I have this breast cancer and what I did wrong or I don't know what I did wrong that I have this autoimmune disease. And, you know, and they hear about epigenetics too, right? They'll hear about this concept that your genes don't determine the outcome, which is true. But if your grandmother got exposed to DDT and that affected your mother's epigenetics, that can still affect your genes and lead you to develop an autoimmune disease when you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s, even if you've been doing everything else, quote unquote, right. You know what I'm saying? That with air quotes here. So, you know, I really appreciate that. Oh, yeah. 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 And I just wanted to make a couple of comments there. I mean, yeah, I mean, Graves, as you said, I mean, it can be life-threatening and it can come on quick. And, you know, certainly with other autoimmune diseases, I've had higher success rates with something that you can give it more time, right? But for some people with Graves, it can be so extreme that there isn't that time. And so it's not a function of you just don't have that time. And the other thing that I was going to say is also, I like to refer to, oh, what I was going to say is people who've done what I've asked them to do, I don't think that there's actually anybody that I haven't helped in some kind of way. And I would imagine that's the same for you, whether it's on a spiritual level, you know, an emotional level, fixing their gut, changing their diet, you know, something else, even if you didn't fix like the, you know, the disease itself. I mean, there are very few people, and I would imagine it's for same for most all of us in functional medicine. There's not, you know, very few people that you haven't helped in some kind of way and that their life or their health is not better for having seen you. And then the next thing I wanted to say is just about the use of the word medication. I make a real distinction in, in my book, The Thyroid Connection, uh, that it being supplemental thyroid hormone. Yes. And I do that because people do have such a stigma surrounding the word medication. And if, like me, if I didn't take my supplemental thyroid hormone, I would literally die over time. So I don't think of that. It's not like you have high blood pressure or you have 
you know, something else that you could manage in a better way. There's not necessarily a better way. If there's been enough damage to your thyroid, either because you had cancer and had it ablated or cut out or graves and the same thing, or Hashimoto's, and it took six years to get a diagnosis, and now it's been another five that you've been on supplemental thyroid hormone, you might not be able to get off of it. And that's okay. I mean, that's like being a type one insulin diabetic. I mean, now are there things you can do with the diet to perhaps reduce your dose? Do we still want to find the underlying root cause so that you don't get something else? It doesn't turn into anything worse. Um, you know, is there still value in, you know, getting the book and understanding the thyroid and working with your doctor and maybe optimizing your meds and your lab results and, you know, all that other stuff? Absolutely. But there are going to be a large number of people that cannot get off their supplemental thyroid hormone. And that is by no means a failure. I agree. And I love that you said that. I say the same thing to my patients. I say, look, this is not like taking a medication like an antibiotic or a blood pressure medication or something that's doing something to your body. And when we call it supplemental thyroid medication, you know, just for listeners, it's because it is literally as if you were low in vitamin D and you weren't producing enough calcium from your vitamin D, you would have to supplement vitamin D and calcium. It's the same thing. Your body just isn't producing enough. So you're taking the supplement of what your body would be producing. And I think it's a very important distinction. So thank you for making that. I do the same in my, in my book. I love that we're both writing thyroid books and mine is adrenal thyroid. Yours is thyroid. And I think that you know, for me, Amy, I did not go into medicine thinking that I was going to focus on adrenal issues, thyroid issues, or autoimmune disease. I went in, you know, with a background in women's health and midwifery, certainly thinking I was going to be working with women and their hormonal health, but the volume of patients, both adults and kids, struggling with autoimmune disease and particularly women struggling with Hashimoto's has been such a call to action for me. Was it your own thyroid disease that, that really called you to action or was it also really same with me seeing the volume in your practice? I mean, I think, well, for me, the first book, The Autoimmune Solution was really, and I know your book editor, Gideon, was my first book editor. And, you know, he had kind of approached me to write a book and, and he was coming up with ideas and, and none of them were sitting with me. And then I just started blogging and I realized what I was passionate about was autoimmunity because of my own experience. And then the second book, The Thyroid Connection, was born out of the fact that obviously that's where my autoimmune was, but the sheer number of people coming to me with thyroid dysfunction and there being such a failure to really uncover it in conventional medicine. I mean, I do feel like, I feel like, you know, conventional medicine can be really good at a lot of things, um, but it can be really bad at a lot of things. And as you know, from what we see, all these chronic illnesses like autoimmune and certainly thyroid and adrenal, you know, that's not even something they recognize, um, you know, they're really terrible at it. And so I just felt like there's so many people not getting diagnosed. And then when they are getting diagnosed, they're getting so mismanaged in terms of, you know, the Synthroid and no T3 and not even getting their labs checked and, you know, looking at the reference ranges you know, very broadly that it, it became, you know, I need to write this book because, you know, obviously once yours is done, then there'll be two of us MDs out there having books. But most of the thyroid books out there right now have not been written by a medical doctor. They've been written by people who have experiences, which is fabulous. And I'm not discounting that, but none of them's actually written a prescription or written a lab order 
for thyroid. And so there's something that comes when you're doing this day in and day out and you're writing those prescriptions and actually tweaking the meds and, and write, you know, and ordering the labs and seeing what's going on. And so I just felt like there was a real need for there to be a, a book by a, you know, practicing physician who's not only, as you said, experienced it in my own right, but also seeing it day in and day out in my practice and how it's really getting so mismanaged. I feel like um, I feel the same way. I feel like there's so many wonderful. I use the term citizen scientists, people like Mary Shomon and Dana Trentini, who have by necessity had to dig deep and work hard to get their diagnoses, to figure out what to do for themselves. But I still feel that um, so many people want the reassurance of hearing this from a medical doctor. It kind of gives a confirmation. But also, I feel like you know, our culture is so, um, in some ways, very still expert driven. And to be able to shift the way other physicians are thinking about it, even just sitting up and listening to what women are saying and not saying things like, you know, if you just exercised more and had more control over what you put in your mouth, you'd lose weight. When a woman is coming in and saying, I have gained 30 pounds in the past three months and she leaves a doctor's office, and not all doctors, I mean, there's some wonderful doctors. I mean, there are many, many wonderful doctors out there. Doctors themselves are overworked, burnt out. We know that there's a public health problem of physician burnout, physician substance abuse, physician suicide even, because doctors are so burnt out. You know, so women are not being heard by people who are exhausted and who were never even taught how to respond to chronic disease. So women often leave feeling shamed and unheard, and doctors are feeling frustrated, not knowing how to help. And so for me, it was also, how do I create something that, can, that women can actually bring to their doctor's attention and say, look, you know, I get it that maybe you're tired and I get it that maybe you haven't learned about this, but can you at least take a look at this and work with me in partnership on this? And, and that's my sense is that you really... Yeah. And I don't think that conventional medicine, like your individual doctor is not purposely failing you or purposely not doing, you know, what, how you and I are doing it. It's that exactly as you said, they weren't trained. I mean, nobody's talking about free T3. And I mean, I don't know if they are now in an endocrinology, you know, fellowship, but certainly these are things that are not talked about in medical school. So it's, it's not the doctor's fault. I mean, you know, they're, as you said, overworked, regulated by insurance companies, and this isn't what they were taught in medical school. So it's, um, it, you know, it's not really their fault, so to speak. I mean, somebody's not intentionally trying to fail you. It's the system just in setting you up for success. Yeah. I mean, we learned about RT3. We learned about thyroid antibodies. We learned about TSH. We learned about thyroid hormone, but what we were taught is check a TSH, here's the reference range. If it's abnormal, send the person to an endocrinologist. And endocrinologists were basically taught, well, you know, if it's 4.8, it's kind of borderline, but, but we can also still call it subclinical hypothyroidism if it's even up to 10. And I have seen so many women just going home still exhausted well, they, I don't see them going home. I see them coming to me six months or a year or two later, really confused. So I'm so glad that you're doing what you're doing. I'm, I'm glad that you're, you know, I, I love it that there are so many men in functional and integrative medicine, but we need more ladies. And so it's a delight to have a colleague, sister doing this work. Tell us about your book and tell us how 
folks can get more of what you have to offer if they can't come to Texas to see you? Yeah. I mean, I think that the book, The Thyroid Connection, it's meant for anybody with any type of thyroid dysfunction, whether it's hyper, graves, hypo, Hashimoto's, or cysts or nodules or post-thyroidectomy, cancer. And then, of course, all those people who've been told they don't have thyroid dysfunction, but they have symptoms of thyroid dysfunction. And, you know, that's really a great place to start. I mean, it's what I imagine your book will be like as well. I mean, this is how I practice in my clinic. So if you can't come to Austin and see me or one of my colleagues, this is a really great place to start. Even if you can, I always tell people, read the book first. It might save you a lot of money, you know, and, and you know, if you can get help locally, that's awesome. And if not, I'm always happy to see people in my clinic and I have, you know, colleagues as well. I'm a nurse practitioner and, a, and a, uh, another physician in my office. But my website is also a wealth of information. And most importantly, I don't know when this is going to come out and if you um, have signed up as an affiliate, but we hope you will for my Thyroid Connection Summit, which is a free online event happening October 25th through 31st, where I've interviewed a host of people um, regarding thyroid dysfunction. And, and then my website is just Amy Myers, MD, uh, Amy Myers, MD.com and Myers is M Y E R S. And all of my social media is Amy Myers, MD. Amy, if you could leave readers with one word of wisdom, not literally one word, but a couple of thoughts on going forward, whether they have symptoms or whether they have a recent diagnosis or are just struggling with this internal burden of a thyroid diagnosis, what, what would that be? Yeah, I mean, it, it's so hard because when you know people used to ask me that after the autoimmune solution book, I was like, you know, this can be reversed and, you know, there's hope. And that, that is true. And the caveat here is that if you're on supplemental thyroid hormone, you may need to stay on it. So, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is that, um, you know, there are people like myself, like you out there giving out really good information about, you know, even if you are unable either financially or logistically to see a functional medicine doctor, my book is really geared towards how to work with your conventional doctor. I mean, it, I'm hoping it gets to the masses partnered with a lab company that will, I don't get anything out of it, but you can go to the lab company and get your labs ordered online and do them locally. Um, if your doctor won't, you know, refuses to do them. So I'm trying to make this accessible to everybody as possible so just, you know, keep on looking people. There is, there, there are people speaking up about this. There's ways to get help. You know, I know you, myself, I mean, we really are, our mission is to help as many people as possible. And that's what we're trying to do is to help people and know that there is hope and you don't have to, you know, be with a doctor that's just shunning your symptoms and telling you it's all in your head. If you believe that there is something going on with you intuitively, you know you better than anybody. Keep on searching for that doctor or that practitioner that is going to help you and help you know uh, help you you know get to the root of that. And we also have a free online community that's just Amy Myers MD backslash community for anybody going through the program. And there are people all around the world. So if you just want some help and support or you know community of other people in your boat you know, that's there available for people as well, because you're certainly not alone in this process. Well, Amy, I know writing a book is a, it's an intense process in and of itself. It's not quite med school, but it's got its own 
challenges and demands. Thank you for taking the time in your busy life to do the work, to get another book out and to really want to reach the masses. And it's wonderful to share your message with my listeners, folks. I would definitely, you know, you can't have too many thyroid books because even though Amy and I share a similar message and that should actually be reassuring We'll each have our own unique spins. We'll have our own unique approaches and supplements. And I think the complimentary voice can be so empowering. You know, that rising tide lifts all boats, Amy. And um, my hope is that this rising tide of thyroid need in the country is strongly met by your book and your mission and your commitment. So thank you for the work that you do. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. You enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.